Thank you for the opportunity this morning. That was a great hymn, that. Even, even I am not young enough to remember that. <laughs> Getting directions to a place these days is generally pretty simple, isn't it? We jump in a car, put it in the GPS, and you can get there. Um, if you haven't got that, you can get Google Maps on your phone. Of course, you're not allowed to touch it while you're driving, of course. It tells you, it can tell you where to go, so to speak. And if that fails, you've always got the Malway. I don't know if anybody remembers the Malway. <laughs> Remember the good old trusty Malway. Well, that's okay for here in Melbourne. That's okay for here in Melbourne. But Desi and I were in Thessaloniki. That's the way you say it in Greek, which is the same place in your Bible, which is called Thessalonica. And, uh, We'd been visiting several sites, it was great, and uh, we picked up a pamphlet that had a place called Insectopia. Now this place had displays of insects and from all around the world, so we thought, oh, we've got a bit of time up our sleeve, we'll go and have a look at it. It was a bit of a challenge to find it, you know. Um, I had a look at it, it had a bit of a mud map, and I thought, oh, well, I said, look, it's got the street name, it's got the dot where it is, roughly, no address, no number. <laughs> Maybe they do that in Greece, I don't know, Con. <laughs> anyway, so we thought, oh, we'll give it a go, we'll catch a bus, we've worked it all out. Got on the bus, had a bit of a chat with a bus driver, you know, asked him, you know, could you show us where this is? He'd never heard of the place. He'd never heard of the place. Anyway, so I thought, oh, anyway, we've still got to go. But he was nice enough, he said, I'll drop you off nearby, or where he thought was nearby. Got off the bus, as we were walking, this young lady was walking with us, and I said to Desi, I said, just don't ask her, maybe she might know where it is, she's a local, you know. You know, I, uh, this lady told us to walk in the opposite direction, <laughs> okay, and uh, she actually seemed to think that the place had closed down, and I thought, oh no, we've come all this way, anyway, I thought, nah, it's got to be here, it's got to be here. Anyway, we, we took her advice, walked, walking the wrong way, which I thought was the wrong way anyway, checked it all out, and we walked all the way to the next major intersection, and I knew we had gone too far then. We thought, that's it, we've got, we got to come back. Slowly made our way back. On our way back, another little old guy walking along, asked him, and he said, oh, yeah, I think it's across the road. Oh, oh, I don't think he really knew. But anyway, I thought, oh, I'll give it a go, go across the road, have a look at these big signs, couldn't see anything. Anyway, so I thought, let's just go one by one, start up one end of the street, go to the end. And, you know, it was hot. The wife was getting a little bit grumpy. <laughs> Greek girls don't do that, do they, Con? <laughs> anyway, so we went back across the road, going down the street. Finally, we saw this A3 sign. It was only about this big and it had Insectopia on it. I thought, oh, this must be the place. It was a big car park. And in the middle of the car park was this building, and it was a two-storey building, but it had, uh, like, steel columns, standing on steel columns, and right in the corner was a lift. And I thought, well, OK, this must be the place. So we walked in, get to the lift. I said, well, we're going to take the lift. We might as well take the lift, go up, get up there. And finally, we found the place. Well, and I thought, this better be good. Well, let me tell you, it was very good. There was tarantulas as big as my hand. Luckily, they were behind glass, I'll tell you what. And uh, insects from all over the world. It was fantastic. But that's what guidance is all about, isn't it? 
Direction and guidance are very similar. You need the proper instructions in order to make the right choices and moves, whether you're going somewhere or whether you're making life decisions. Now, this morning we're going to look at relying on God's guidance from Psalm 25, 1 to 11, uh, which Neville read for us this morning, and it's a psalm written by David. Now, just briefly, Psalm 25 is known as one of the acrostic psalms, of which 109, Psalm 119 is probably the most famous or well-known. These psalms use the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, where they commence each verse or each stanza uh, with the Hebrew al- alphabet. Psalm 25 is made up of 22 pious thoughts, which are threaded together using the Hebrew alphabet and presented in poetry. Now, its poem is sustained earnestness, spiritual perception and tenacious faith. The poet pleads that God will not remember the sins that weigh upon him, his guilty memories, his enemies, his loneliness, torment, anxieties distress him. The poet envies those who constantly fear the Lord. Against this inner inadequacy, the psalmist places his confidence in God's goodness, patience and love. In God is all his hope, his trust, his gaze and his refuge. Plainly, this timid soul has learned the alphabet of spiritual growth. Now, for the purpose of today, I've broken the 11 verses into three sections. Wow, this is working, right? I always get worried about electronic stuff. Okay, approaching God for guidance, one to three. Uh, Verses four to seven, prayer for guidance and pardon. And eight to 11, confidence in God's guidance. Okay, approaching God for guidance. Now, surrounded by hostile and unscrupulous people, David's reaction is to express trust in prayer. He makes his prayer specific, telling us what is true about God. Now, those verses that were read this morning were from a new version of the NIV. My old NIV says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul... In you I trust, O my God. I like them better because when one lifts up his soul to the Lord, it allows him to have full control of you. It is put, it it is to put your full trust in Him. It's like saying, God, use me as you will. Now, if we continue to want to push our own wheelbarrow and go our own way, we're not really allowing God to guide us, especially in his will. We're asking God to guide us in our direction and not his. That's not how it works. And that's not God's guidance. That's what we might think is God's guidance, but we know that it isn't. In John chapter 6 and verse 38... Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, 
but to do the will of, the, of him who sent me. You know, when you join a tour, you're usually taken around by a tour guide. Um, you know, they, they may take you into a building or into a place and stuff like that, and they'll tell you all the nice things about the, the building or the area, etc. And they explain all the wonderful points about it. But you can't wander off and do your own thing, because what's going to happen? You're either going to get lost or you end up in the wrong area. All right? So you've just got to focus on that, you know, and follow that leader. If you want to be guided by God, we need to stay in step with him and be close to him by reading his word and meeting with him daily and praying for him to keep us on his path, not ours. Now, David knows that if he puts his trust and hope in the Lord, he will not suffer shame, but rather that shame will be experienced by those who do not put their trust and hope in the Lord. Now, I must say that when you put your trust in the Lord, sometimes you have to be patient and you have to wait. Now, during the last half of 2017, we had a close family circumstance that brought me to my knees. And I prayed to God, the Almighty God, who holds everything in his hands. And I said, somehow, some way, can you take this away from us? Can you resolve this issue? Now, God works in his timing and in his way. And we have to be patient and wait for the outcome. I can tell you, I thought of and I could have taken things in my own hands and done things my way. But I know that what I was contemplating would have been absolutely disastrous. Thank God for his guidance in my life at that point. And can I just say, immediately, people, immediately when thoughts of revenge come to you, you must head straight for your Bible with no delay. One must, as David did, lift up your soul to the Lord and allow God to take control and be guided by him. Now, even though we felt shame and we were being mocked and we were being ridiculed, I am glad that I put my trust in the Lord and we were guided by his word and not my head. The words of Deuteronomy 32 and verse 35, sorry, chapter 32, verse 35, kept replaying in my head. It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And also quoted in Romans chapter 12 and 19, this was to affirm that avenging is God's prerogative, not ours. And, can I also add, we must not gloat over the actions that the Lord might take over our adversaries. You know, last year I had the pleasure of reading through all 66 books of the Bible and I noticed a few things that haven't changed much since the time of Adam. There are still corrupt and hostile people today. 
<clears throat> just as they were back then. Moving on to verses 4 to 7. Now, David's reaction is to express trust in prayer. And he makes things clear what is true about God and why we can trust him. He prays as one committed to the Lord's ways. Do we pray like that? We quite often pray for our own needs. He prays, show me your ways. Show me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. David prays as one committed to the Lord's ways, not his own. He's desiring an informed mind. He prays to the Lord, show me and make me know, teach me a conformed life. You know, brothers and sisters, our desire should be what we read in Romans 12 too, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and not conforming to the pattern of this world. It's a hard thing to do. But by doing it, what happens? That ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our transformation is caused by the renewing of our mind and that can only happen when we spend time alone with God and reading his word. Unless we are in his will, unless we are living in the spirit, it becomes difficult to know where God wants us to be. Most of you might not know this guy, but Mark Knopfler from the band Dire Straits was once asked how he became one of the most famous guitarists in the world. And this is what he said. He said, every day I spend hours playing my guitar. I love my guitar. Many times I just continued to play until I fell asleep. If you want to know God, you have to do the same thing. You have to spend time every day reading your Bible. You know, you'll only, we were talking about it before, you'll only get to know someone if you love them and spend time with them. And my question is, how much do you love the Lord? David continues in verse 5, Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Saviour. Well, this is very important because until Jesus is your Saviour, it may be difficult to accept his guidance. Salvation only comes from the Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, through the person of Jesus Christ. From John chapter 14 and verse 6, and Con reminded about this, reminded us of this verse last week, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, what about those people who say that there are many ways to get to heaven? Well, John says in chapter 10, 1, he is the way. It says, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Note, folks, this is not a moral or ethical way, but this is the way of salvation. Salvation from what? Salvation from our sinful state 
and rebellious way, which is contrary to the pure and holy God. And we cannot save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. That's why God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you and me. That if we are willing to accept that truth, we can be saved. He is the truth where Jesus says, I came into the world to testify the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. You see, Jesus came into the world to tell us about the truth of man's condition and man's position in relation to God. We've got that broken relationship and Jesus had to mend it. And we will do well to listen to him. And he is the life in Romans 5 and verse 21. It says, just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the rest of verse 5 in Psalm 25 says, And my hope is in you all day long. While our hope is in God, we must wait. Remember I said that earlier. We must be patient and wait. You know, we live in a world where people want quick answers. Um, with, the in- with the internet and electronic transfer of information, business can actually boast about how quickly they can give you answers and how quickly they can get you the answer that you want. Well, that's good, but sometimes uh, it's not so good when you're making tough decisions. Uh, getting quick answers, say so in my workplace, yeah, it's great. That people can continue doing their work. But when you're making life decisions, um, if you make them too quickly, sometimes they can go wrong. And I've made a few of those. Even then, even then, amazingly, God's grace is extended further. He gets me out of the mess that I got myself into. Isn't he a wonderful God? You know, it is wise to bring decisions and guidance under the prayerful consideration before God and allowing him to direct our paths. And verses 6 and 7, the psalmist draws on the promises of God. He knows God is a loving and merciful God. In Psalm 103, from verse 17 onwards, it says, From everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. Affirms God's commitment to his own righteous nature and purpose. One commentary reads like this. He loves without any adjustment of his holiness or any relaxation of his standards. This is one of God's characters, his faithfulness, demonstrated by continued loyalty and support for us. And in that same Psalm 103, it's encouraging that when one aligns himself with God and confesses his sin, what happens? He removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. That is fantastic. Okay, verses 8 to 11. The psalmist has further recalls of God's assurance that prayer will be answered and that God's revealed way will prove to be full of his love. We must have faith. If we are in God's will, we must have faith. 
Hebrews 11, that great chapter relating to faith, in verse 6 it says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. We are all sinners and we can all benefit from the hope we have and that we can take from these from verses 8 and 9. He will instruct the sinner. What well, Christ came into the world for sinners, didn't he? Teaching them and calling them to repentance as we, as they, humble themselves before him. And verse 10, assurance to the believer in guidance, love and faithfulness towards those who keep his word. This is why it's important to rely on God's guidance. Like the psalmist, he knows that God will teach him what is right because his ways are loving and faithful. Now we might ask, well, what ways does God guide us? Which way God guides us? Okay, well, firstly, through his word. If you're not spending time in God's word, you're behind the eight ball. Now, I don't know if many people understand what that means. I spent a lot of, uh, wasted a lot of my youth playing billiards and pool, so being behind the eight ball is not so good because <laughs> you can't get a shot. <laughs> All right, so you're at a disadvantage. <laughs> okay, you're only going to know God and his character if you spend time in his word daily. Morning, evening, during the day, it doesn't matter. Just spend time in his word. You know, I've, I've got a great job now. Um, when I, when I applied for the job that I've got, one of the guys said, um, he says, look, a lot of the times on your job, just to let you know, I actually just watch dirt go down. You know, I get, well, I'll get dirt placed. Probably the only one that understands this is probably Rob. <laughs> and, uh, the engineer said to me, he said, look, if you get yourself a good book, he said, you'll be right. I said, oh mate, don't worry about that. I've got a good book. <laughs> So there you go. I have the privilege of actually spending a lot of time in God's word. Secondly, prayer. Prayer helps us to come to God in submission and acknowledge his greatness, confess our sins, thank him for who, for all he does, and then listen to his heartbeat. You know, just recently I think Josh uh, shared with us about prayer And I remember he said that prayer is more about listening to God than talking to him. And one of the things that I got out of that is he said it aligns us with God's will. Thirdly, through the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16 and verse 13, Jesus said, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. How do we know it's truth? Well, John does tell us later to test the spirits to see whether they are from God. But verse 14 says, The Holy Spirit will bring glory to me. Glory to who? Glory to Jesus. Glory to God. The clue is glory to God, guys. If you're not bringing glory to God, you're being led astray. And the fourth one, 
wise counsel. You know, consulting a person or a friend who is more experienced in their Christian life or walk and asking them to pray for you and with you is a good advice. And there's some verses, there's some verses there in Proverbs that you can look up. So how do we conclude? Well, you know, probably of all the facets of God's greatness, understanding his guidance can be the most confusing to many people. And this was read out to us today. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6. What does it tell us? It tells us trust, it tell us to, tells us to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. But what does this mean? Wise living demands complete unswerving trust in the Lord. Allow him to control our personality, the way we think, the way we act, the way we treat others. And how do we do that? With all our heart. You know, it's interesting, uh, David challenged his own son Solomon to serve God with wholehearted devotion. Just before David handed over his kingship to his, Solomon, to, to his son Solomon, that's what he said to him. He said, serve God with wholehearted devotion. Now, if you seek God, he will be found. I spent a lot of time seeking God, on and off from the time I was 10 but I must have been pretty thick because I only found him at 27. <laughs> um, and that's when I asked Jesus into my heart and into my life. For you young ones today, don't delay. Don't delay like I did. Ask Jesus into your heart today. And you know, in whatever area of your life that it is, whether you need wisdom and guidance, ask God. And if you're new, if you're new to all this, sit down with someone experienced and ask them to pray with you and ask them to pray for you this morning. Let me pray for us. Father, this morning we want to thank you that we can put our trust in you. We thank you that our hope in you is not in vain that your faithfulness and goodness continue to be poured upon us as you show us your ways and teach us your truths. We are grateful for the mercy and love you continue to show us and we trust that as we go about this week that it will be under your direction and your guidance in whatever we say and do. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.